This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Like most of you, I drive a car or a truck. Well, occasionally, I need tires or just a simple plug or patch. Well, my friends down at Just Tires is the place to go when that need arises. Give them a call at 727-585-9271. They have a convenient location right at 1645 Clearwater Largo Road. You can't miss them. So for all your tire needs, cars, trucks, trailers, new used or just a repair, give Just Tires a call. 727-585-9271. Oh, yeah, and be sure and check out their website, JustTires.net. Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Automobile Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric carts racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com. So you'll be Josie Wales. How might you know that, Granny? Soldiers were here looking for you about two hours ago. I was going to mention that to you as soon as I got the chance. They say you killed your own men. You lying blue scumbellies. They say you're a hard-footing, desperate man, Josie Wales. I'm going to heal and hide you to a barn door. You know what I say? What's that? I say that big talk's worth doodly squat. Now, them poultices be laced with feather moss and mustard root. Mind you drop water on them occasionally and keep them damp. Supplies, Granny. You can pay me when you see me again, Josie Wells. I reckon so. There's cakes and engine batter Makes you fat or a little fatter Look away, look away, look away, Dixieland That that sure is a sweet sound to the ears Wouldn't you say so, Mr. Wales? Your young friend can use some help This is it, one dollar a bottle It works wonders on wounds Works wonders on just about everything, huh? It can do most anything Whooped him again, Josie. Oh, they, they, they're hollering for me to come over. I can't hold on. But I'll hold on until you fellas get out of sight. He ain't gonna hold it, no fairy. He's gonna bring that cow over fast as he can. Reckon there's a nice reward out for us by now. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage near the Greeks. We've got him now. We get Josie Wales and it ends. Doing right ain't got no end. <laughs> We best hurry on, Josie. Yeah, they'd catch up to us by the end of the day. What we've got to do is space some time between them and us. What are we going to do? Stay right here. He's still there. Still there? What in the hell does he think he's doing? Oh, no. Some of you men get down there. Prepare to fire. Captain Redlegs, I advise you to turn back. You can catch him later. Turn back? Are you crazy? He's going to try to pick us off one by one. He'll never do it. At best, he'll get two or three up front there. I advise you to turn back, Captain. They're coming. Do you really think you can shoot all those men down before they shoot you? Oh, no, no, Mr. Josie Whale. There is such a thing in this country called justice. Well, Mr. Carpetbagger, we got something in this territory called the Missouri Boat Ride. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome this. we got a nice afternoon. Cedric, how you doing? You there near the... Got your ears on? Yeah, I got my ears on. Super. What do you think? It's a nice day today, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Well, anyway, I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com. You can see us live here, streaming in the studio. 
Cameras are on, aren't they, Cedric? <laughs> what? Cameras, cameras, cameras. But anyway, oh, cameras. Sorry, cam- I didn't have my headphones on. You didn't have your headphones on. No, right? yes, the camera's on, and it's it's all focused in, and it's it's pretty. It we're looks looking, good. We're looking good across the country here, streaming live. So anyway, hey, yeah, be sure and check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com. Like us on Facebook, and be sure and tell all your friends. You know what? we got a great show for you today. We have a very, very special guest coming on later this afternoon, and we have some cool music that we're going to play, and we're going to have a little car dialogue. And uh, you know what? I was kind of roaming around on the internet the other day. Well, actually, what prompted this whole thing is I was driving down the road, and uh, this hideous little, I guess it's called a Pontiac Aztec, kind of got in front of me. And as I was following that hideous-looking piece of pathetic excuse for an automobile for a number of blocks, it finally occurred to me that maybe one of these days what I ought to talk about on the radio show is ugly cars, particularly ugly cars that were made in the United States. And the Aztec, I'm not exactly sure what General Motors was thinking at the time. The concept actually is not bad because more recently Honda went ahead and, you know, put their effort into it and uh, they came out with the Honda Element, which actually looks a little bit better. And of course, not that I'm a big fan of Japanese cars because I'm very pro-American, but Honda does do a pretty good job in terms of their mechanics and their drive lines and drivetrains. Other than that, the rest of the cars still Chinese, I mean, excuse me, Japanese. But the Honda Element, at least, you know, it's got the suicide doors, and it's pretty much a durable, little, useful, utilitarian kind of car that, you know, uh, you basically got rubber floor mats, and you got durable material as far as the upholstery and plastics on the panels and dash and stuff. You can basically just pressure wash that thing if if need be on the inside and make it look uh, spick and span again. But anyway, the Aztec looks like a forerunner to that i mean you know the same basic concept it was kind of a utilitarian thing kind of a hip car back in the 90s you know kind of going after the youthful market and uh but it's just so disgustingly but ugly what do you think cedric you know what a pontiac aztec is remember that ugly looking thing in fact i think i'm I'm looking it up right now i think buick buick even had one of those at one point in time so they had a sister car and i don't remember what it was called oh yeah 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 is that ugly or what it's it's interesting. I'll tell you what, just for giggles, for the next five minutes or so, this is not typically a call-in show, but if you want to call in, 727-441-3000, 727-441-3000, tell us, in your opinion, the ugliest American-made car, particularly cars after 73 to about 1999, 2000. I mean, the United States really just, we ranked up there with some butt-ugliest cars on the planet. I mean, I just... Just can't think of anything more disgusting. Matter of fact, I know you know what I just did. I just kind of Googled ugliest cars, and uh, sure enough, the Aztec wound up there. You know, another thing that kind of irks me as far as this car stuff is um, if you're familiar with the Pontiac, we'll, we'll give them another brownie <laughs> button. Another is they came out with this hideous little car, some little Oriental thing, and they stuck a Le Mans badge on it. It was supposed to be some little eco-friendly kind of car. But what an insult to Pontiac Le Mans slash GTO owners for them to come out with some terrible excuse for a car and then rebadge it with a legendary name like Le Mans. Of course, GM wasn't the only U.S. manufacturer guilty of uh, sacrilegious abuses to sit there and try to revive significant brand names, you know, like uh, Galaxy and Torino and... Cougar and GTO, Roadrunner, Dart, Le Mans, and so on. And just, uh, you know, I mean, those are legendary names, and they belong on cars that are significant, not cheap, cheesy, econo box, garbage, worthless, crud excuses for automobiles. In fact, I can't even, I, I, I can't even get descriptive enough. It's just, uh, it makes me puke, it makes my stomach turn. You know, look where the car industry's gone. I mean, today you can't even tell a car apart. You know, in the old days, they were distinct. Now, you knew a Cadillac, you knew a Chevrolet, you knew a Lincoln, you knew a Mustang, or Imperial, or Barracuda, or, you know, something really cool. Roadrunner, GTX. And they were neat cars, too. Really, truly neat cars. Distinctly different. Today, they all look alike. Worst of all, instead of being innovative and creative and stylish, they all copy one another. You couldn't tell a Mercedes from a Hyundai, a Ford from a Chevrolet, a BMW from a Lexus. Pathetic. Well, 
Anyway, at least the trucks all look good. You know, the Ford trucks, the mighty number one selling truck in the country, the Ford F-150, looks good. The Dodge truck, the Chevy truck, even Toyota Nissan, you know. And Volkswagen even has one, but I don't think it's for sale here in the United States. Oh, well. Enough of my ranting. I like that the PT Cruiser made it on the list. The, you know, that's interesting, but the PT Cruiser, in spite of the fact that it is it is kind of retro, it's not the most appealing-looking car, but it, but it still if, has... If you've ever driven one, the actual... It doesn't handle very well, and it, it rattles a lot, and it's not very... It's, you, know know. What, you know what? The, the, the PT Cruiser is based on a... On a uh, like an old Studebaker no, or something. No? Well, yeah, the look, but I mean, it's based on a, on the uh, neon chassis. So here they basically oh, really? took the little cheap, cheesy little neon, which actually wasn't a bad little car, okay, for what it was, in terms of cheap, cheap. And then they decided to put this huge, humongous, retro-looking PT Cruiser body on it. Yeah. You know? And, of course, later, Chevrolet came out with the HHR, which was similar. They, they threw that on some little cobalt chassis or some crud like that, and, which is typical American. You know, what the Americans used to do, and don't get me wrong, I'm pro-American, pro-American cars, pro-muscle cars, and all that kind of good stuff. But what happens is a lot of times these cars... The American companies, like, for example, you take a full-size Ford, full-size Chevrolet, or full-size uh, Chrysler, okay? And what they would do is they would put, let's just say, you're all familiar with a Ford LTD or a Chevrolet Impala or a Chrysler Newport. Well, then what they would do is they would stretch the body just a little bit and throw it on the short chassis, maybe beef up the springs just a little bit, and then they'd throw an Imperial on a Chrysler Newport. They'd throw a Lincoln Continental, you know, which weighs like five, 6,000 pounds on top of a Ford LTD chassis, and then they'd throw a Cadillac which is, again, another five, six, seven thousand pound car on top of a full-size Chevrolet, and just squat those things down. Of course, in order to improve the ride and a few things like that, they did mess with the springs, and you know, but still, the body just hangs over an extra three, four inches on each end of the car, and hence, they don't handle it. I mean, they make great, great, great super boulevard cruisers. I mean, you take an old Cadillac or an old Lincoln or an old Imperial, and it's like driving your lawn chair, excuse me, not your lawn chair, your lounge chair, you know, down the street. I mean, you know, they're comfy, they're plush. Just could you imagine, Cedric, in the sixties, and I know this is a little before your time, but could you imagine if we had those cars and TVs in them? Now they did have TVs, but I mean <laughs> to the extent that they do today where you could just zip that thing in your dash and you got the uh, you know, the little digital thingy. That's exactly right. That's what would happen. One more time. I like that one. So that's what I'm watching right now. I'm watching. Uh, I was watching them crash test the HHR, and now I'm watching them crash test the PT Cruiser. You know, I wish just we for could. Fun. I wish we could do that on our show. I wish there was a way. Is there a way to to when you're watching something on there, throw it on our video so that we could actually? Uh, you know, there is. Um, I'm gonna have to set it up though. Well, we'll have, I'd have to, to do have a set. I can definitely flash pictures up on the screen with, uh, for, uh, that, for people who are watching online. That would actually be kind of. Cool. You know, we need to look into that because then what I could do is I could actually narrate that. And I could have some fun. Matter of fact, we could add our own little sound effects. I think that would be a blast. Bobby, what do you think? You're standing over there in the production room. Great idea. Super. Hey, we got something on the turntable. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Well, let's fire up a little this is, uh, uh, retro music. People are going to crank up their stereo for this. They're going to crank up their stereo. Okay, this is. All right. Now, I dig this song. <laughs> all right. A little Led Zeppelin. Good times, bad times. Yeah. Hey, you know what? This used to be the theme song, or still is a theme song to our promotional uh, Nostalgic Radio Cars. Hey, listeners, tune in to Nostalgic Radio Cars, weekdays at 7. We'll be right back. Enjoy the song.
listeners. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Your Pizza Shop, located at 1200 8th Avenue Southwest in Largo, offers a great selection of personalized pizzas, pastas, and calzones, as well as delicious wings, subs, salads, and tasty desserts. Enjoy the relaxing atmosphere and scenic view overlooking Pinecrest Golf Course. Remember, for the finest pizza anywhere, takeout, delivery, or catering, call 581-1101. That's 581-1101. Or order online at yourpizzashop.com. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And you know what? That was one of my favorite, all-time favorite Led Zeppelin songs, Good Times, Bad Times. Anyway, a few minutes ago, we were talking about, if you just tuned in here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Oh, by the way, don't forget to like us on Facebook, okay? And check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. But a few minutes ago, I was talking about some of the ugliest cars that ever rolled out of the out of Detroit, I guess you could say. And besides the Aztec and that hideous little Le Mans, if you look on the list here, you know, it's funny if you go to images, it actually shows the Gremlin. The Gremlin really wasn't a bad-looking little car. Neither was the Pinto. Neither was the Vega. But somehow they managed to make the list. Even later, you know, in uh, American Motors' defense, the Pacer, which everybody used to joke and say was a rolling fishbowl, was kind of a cool little car. But uh, And they did very, very well for the United States in terms of uh, econo boxes, you know, just kind of cool little pieces. But, um, yeah, I'm in fact, the Pinto Bean, I have to say that I actually own one of those. I had uh, a 1973 Pinto Bean wagon, factory 2-liter, had the German motor in it, 4-speed, with factory dealer-installed, or dealer-installed AC. So it actually ran real good. It was a relatively rust-free car. I picked it up when I was out in Arizona. I used to leave it out at my cousin's, and uh, I used to use it to... Uh, haul my parts with me. I had a big tarp in the back, and when I would go junkyard when I was out in Arizona, I'd load that baby up. I'd stop by your local, uh, you know, Safeway grocery store. I'd pick up some boxes out of their uh, box pile, and I'd wrap my stuff, and I'd ship my parts on the airplane. That's back when you could do that. It didn't cost you anything. And I'd bring back boxes and boxes of car parts, rust-free, clean, just amazing stuff. Even though they were small parts, but uh, just good stuff. You know, not like the rusty crap we have here in in uh, in the southeast, that's uh, in many cases most of it's migrated from the uh, northeast from the Rust Belt area up around Detroit. But anyway, how are we doing on time there, Cedric? Yeah, we should probably go ahead and throw some music on. Want to throw a song on real quick, and then we'll get ready for our guest. Eh, sounds like a plan. Okay, hey, we got a great guest. Be sure and stay tuned because this guy is absolutely fantastic. He's on a new TV show. I won't mention which one it is, but it is on the History Channel. You talk about a good old American car guy, this guy's it. So stick around. This is going to be a great interview. We'll be right back. And you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
Enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72, plus another 9-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. Coker from Counting Cars out here in Las Vegas, and I love listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you better listen to them too. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. And let me tell you about this gentleman. Not only is he a successful businessman, but he also epitomizes the American dream. He's what America stands for. He is the current host of History Channel's brand new hit TV show, God, Guns, and Automobiles. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this afternoon, Mark Muller. Mark, are you there? I'm here. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's a pleasure, and I'll tell you what, I like your show, and I definitely like the name. God, Guns, and Automobiles. It doesn't get any more American than that. It really doesn't, does it? No, no. Tell me how the whole thing came about. Well, you know, it started, I, we, you know, we did a gun giveaway a few years ago, and everyone got mad at me. Um, and what we did, you bought a vehicle, we gave you a $500 gift certificate, and we said you can either buy a gun with it or buy gas, whatever you want. But just because we used the word gun, the, the press went crazy, and how dare you, you know, type stuff. And I said, wait a minute, it's legal, it's a legal product, I'm not giving anyone guns, and they can go buy a gun if they want, what's wrong with it? And anyway, CNN came out, and uh, I, I did a pretty strong interview with her, if you can get on to Max Motors CNN and see the video on like YouTube or something and, and uh, anyway that took off and then some guy came in from Canada and wrote a book and then from there uh, they decided to do a reality show and I got to tell you we're, we're thrilled here in Little Bates County, Missouri we ended up with 1,877,000 viewers the opening night and that was third best of anything on at the time in the nation. That's amazing. Now, I was just looking up a little bit about uh, Bates County there and uh, Butler you've got what a population of just under 5,000 people right? Yeah, well, 4,300, and there's uh, the whole county. It's one of the largest counties in the state. has 16,000 people in it. Wow. How many square miles is how many square miles is that county? I don't know that. It's it's a big one though. Uh, I know that in Chicago, where my little brother lives, uh, there's more people living in each building than there live in this whole county. <laughs> what is his thoughts on the on the show? Now he's been on there. Obviously, your brother is Eric Mancow Muller. You know, and. Yep, yep. Uh, so uh, he was on. We we actually saw two of the shows. They were featured a couple of days apart. Here we saw one last night, and I think we saw one a couple of days ago. And last yes, night, sir. last night was the one where you blew up the car, which was kind of cool. It was a blast. You know, and everyone's like, uh, you know, you guys really do that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's who we are. The the film crew was. I thought all reality show was reality, and it turns out it's not. Excuse me. And the film crew said that uh, this is as close as they've ever seen to a real reality show. And they they do them all, you know. Mm -hmm. And they were like, uh, you know, this is 85, 95 percent just unscripted, actually filming just us leading our lives. And everyone's kind of amazed at it. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of amazed that everyone doesn't live like this, you know. Uh, You know, we, we, we worship God. We like to drink a cold whiskey. We love to race cars really fast. We love hot rods. We love rat rods. We love old 
old historic cars. Uh, of course, we love all the new stuff. Look, I'm, I'm a car dealer. Uh, you know, we sell Ford, Dodge, Jeep, Chrysler, Buick, GMC, Chevrolet, Ram trucks. And I mean, I, every time a new car comes out, I'm like a little kid. I get goosebumps, man, because the new Dodge truck is here or the new Chevy, whatever. And it's like, uh, you know, when the first one comes off the truck, I, I still get it's like Christmas. And, and I mean, most car dealers lose that. And I never have. And I think I think that's the secret uh, to why we're so fired up and do a good job is because we really love cars. Well, now, I was reading somewhere in your bio that before you got in the car business, you used to be in some form of consulting, consulting industry. What did you consult and what, what was your prior profession? Well, I've been in a car business for 35 years, and I'm 53 now, so it's been most of my life. But what you're referring to in that bio is I was a consultant. Look, I learned a long time ago I I always wanted to be a car dealer. I'm never going to be a car dealer working for a car dealer. Every time I would break the bank and have a good month, I'd get a pay cut. You know, and I got to tell you, the people that are in the marketing field or sales field, you you do a really good job. You grow a territory. Guess what? You might as well not even grow it because we're going to cut the territory down so you make less money. It's, It's ridiculous. And I realized I had to be self-employed, so I started a business. I was a very good car guy, and I started a business uh, uh, peddling products to car dealers, and mainly I was consulting them on how to be profitable through the finance and insurance end of the car dealerships. And uh, I had 335 accounts at one point, and I saved a bunch of money and saved my nickels, and then I sold the business and bought some car dealerships and a farm and lived in the country. Now, your 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 roots are basically your Midwest. Are you Is it Kansas or someplace like that? Where are you from originally? Originally, actually, it's going to blow your dress up. We're from Philadelphia, our family originally. My dad from upstate New York, my mom from Philly, and, uh, uh, you know, my dad was a traveling salesman, and we just kept moving west. And and since about, oh, God, second grade, I've been in, in the Kansas City area, basically. So, yeah, I mean, we, we were raised in the mid Midwest, and uh, I think it gave us an advantage as kids because we had seen so much other stuff that the other kids hadn't seen that um, we really felt like, uh, you know, what do you mean you've never eaten crabs? You, you, you've never had a cheesesteak? And we were, you know, because, you know, the kids back then when we grew up, you know, they didn't eat seafood and stuff. It was a meat and potato deal. So uh, we always felt like we were blessed growing up. Wow, that's cool. So good, strong family values, right? Buddy, let me tell you something. I I say it in the show, and I'll say it again. God, country, family, and then Max Motors if you work for me. Very, very good. If you got those priorities screwed up, you probably don't belong here. Uh, I'm here alone today. This is going to be tough for this interview, but I told him, lock the door and figure it out, boys. You you can do it. Um, My general manager, Larry, who's in the show, is off today. And then my my new sales manager, uh, his mother, is no big deal, just having a stent put in. But uh, he said, you know, I don't. I said, get out of here. He says, no, I'm. The guy's brand new. I said, go home. But if you don't go home, I'm going to fire you. He said, well, I mean, who? I said, I can handle this. Go home. It's very important. If you put your family ahead of this dealership, you're going to be happy. If you put your dealership ahead of your family, you're not going to be a happy person. Well, now the name Max Motors. That's actually uh, comes from the name of one of your sons too, correct? Well. Uh, no. No? Um, we had, uh, God, this is such a long story. I named my son after the dealerships. Oh, okay. But my son was born first. Okay. I told my wife, look, if you want something in life, you got to manifest it. you got to focus on it. you got to make it happen. And I told my wife when we were first married and our first babies being born, I said, you know, honey, I, I'm going to open up a dealership someday and call it Max Motors. Okay. So she says, "I don't want a son named Maximilian Muller." I said, "Well, too bad. That's what I'm. That's what we're going to call him, you know." And she, I wanted to actually call him Maximilian, and she said, "No, but how about Maximilian?" So we went with that one, and uh, um, and then, you know, eighteen years later, or twenty, no, eighteen years later, I named the dealership Max Motors. But actually, I'd planned on doing this my whole life. Okay. So so it depends on how you look at it. The dealership, the son came first, but the son was named after the dealership before I had it. Okay. Good. That explains. <laughs> I get it. Is that, I get it. Is that, is that complicated? No, 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 no. Makes sense, you know, because like when you're growing up, you have ideas. It's like my son just turned 16. So I'm in the cars and 
It's like my dad wasn't. My dad was a PhD educated kind of guy, you know, two left hands, couldn't put a set of rabbit ears on a on a black and white TV back in the sixties, you know. And I'm I'm kind of a more of a mechanical kind of guy, but I'm just not an academic guy. Well anyway, so now here it is, all these years later, I finally get to enjoy the car hobby with my son, which is something I was looking for forward to when I was a kid because I couldn't do it with my dad. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. So it's kind of the same analogy, but it's just a little different scenario. All right, sure. let's, let's go back to cars. Now, how did your love affair, your your just your dedication to cars start? Were you a car guy when you were a young kid? I mean, and like in the hot rods and stuff? I totaled out 13 cars my first 12 months driving. <laughs> oh, wow. You got me beat. I got one. No, go true story. Really? I, mean, I, I, I only knew how to drive one way, full brakes, full gas full-time one of the three and um you know it when you're a kid you probably shouldn't be driving like that and you shouldn't as an adult either but uh, i mean i love going fast i love the tires squealing and sliding the corners and you know you wreck some old car you know when you're driving a 500 hundred dollar old shooter it doesn't take a lot to total them out no. i mean it, it just isn't like i'm taking brand new corvettes and wrecking them you know what i mean mm-hmm. but uh, uh i and i gotta tell you i think mach 5 and speed racer i i think the guy was a curse to me you know, I grew up my whole life, and I wanted, I wanted to be Speed Racer. You know, I, I loved that cartoon, and it was probably the worst cartoon ever made in terms of quality and stuff. But man, I just loved the story, and Speed Racer was always the hero and always saved the day. And you know, God, country, and family again. It was always about uh, doing the right thing, and I just loved that cartoon. And I, I think it really did curse me. When we were kids, we didn't have any money, you know, but you know, we had Kansas International Raceway uh, in Kansas City here, and we would always sneak in to the racetrack. I mean, we're 11. We'd ride our bikes half a day to get there, you know. We'd sneak into the track and climb underneath the fence and sit and watch the funny car racers, Big Daddy Don Garlet and the Snake and the Mongoose. I don't know if you're old enough to remember all those. Oh, but, yeah. uh, you know, I would sit and watch these cars thundering down the track, and I would sit there, and my blood would start pumping, and I'd get goosebumps. I'd say, someday, man, someday I'm going to have me one of those fast cars, and you know, the rest is history. Well, now, tell us about some of the cars, some of the early cars that you had that you uh, kind of watched it up there that you kind of wish you may has, may still have. Uh, you name it, I wrecked it, and it's sad. It's Great old Chevys, old Camaros, Mustangs, uh, Mopar stuff, Hemi stuff, uh, whatever I could afford to buy. I wasn't particular. I wasn't a purist. I didn't. Oh, I only drive Fords, or I, if it's not a Camaro, I'm not. I didn't care if it went fast, had a big motor, I wanted it. And um, uh, so I, you know, in fact, I'll get pretty depressed if I start thinking about all that right now. The one car I never had, my dad had never let me have, and I had it bought at a great price, and he probably saved my life was I had a Daytona Superbird. Ooh. Uh, and I had this car. It was bright orange, and it, and I this it was an Iranian guy. And my dad and I, I was seventeen, I think. And uh, I said, Dad, I got this car bought. It was forty two hundred bucks. And I had the car bought. I had a couple of grand. I had a bank would give me the rest. My dad had co-signed. I put the deal all together. I'm ready to go. My dad drives out to look at the car, and he says, uh, All right, well, let's see what it'll do. Open it up a little bit. And so I was kind of, you know, feathering it because I knew what my dad was doing. And then uh, finally the guy says, Well, go ahead, open up this car as fast. And I said, Well, no, I'm, you know, that's about all I want to drive it. And my dad looked at me like, Yeah, nonsense. I. <laughs> son, you've been sewn back together so many times, I know better. Uh, and then my dad said, well, let me drive the car. And we're out on uh, in Raytown, Missouri on a highway called 50 Highway. And he stood on this thing, and he drove it about... Uh I don't know, 130 or 40 hit and, you know, a flash of an eye. When Once that car got rolling, it was easy to get yeah, zero to 30. That car sucked. But, you know, from 30 to 100, it was just incredible. And uh, my dad pulled the car over and told the guy to drive us back slow and said, son, if you think you can have this car, you're out of your mind. And I almost had a Daytona Superbird. And it's one of the cars that's it's it's one of the cars I want right now. I just need to figure out, the, you know, how to get a deal on one. And you just can't anymore on a good one wow that's cool that's a cool story now was that car a hemi car 440 car four speed automatic what was it yep yep 444 speed oh well, that works 444 speed actually they were a little quicker than a uh than a hemi out of the box you know but uh yep yep it had the and i think it had the didn't it didn't they have a six pack on them back then yes they did that I was, think that's what it was. Wow, that's a rare car. Four-speed Dana rear end under it. You know, nice piece. Of course, I'm sure when your dad pulled up and he saw the nose and the wing on the back, he goes, hmm, okay. You know, this belongs uh, on the speedway. Yeah, you know what? We, you know, he, he, my dad probably, I would have probably killed myself in that car, so. 
Well, now, today, uh, on, on the show, I actually saw one episode or one scene where you were driving a 70 Cadillac convertible, a red one, and then another scene, I don't know if it's a commercial or promo, but it looks like you're driving a 71, 2, or 3 Eldorado convertible. So do you yes, collect? Sir. Yes, I, I've got I got quite a few old cars. Okay. Right now, um, uh, I've got a 69 GTO convertible with a, a 400 in it. It's just absolutely perfect. Okay. Um, I have a, a 1970 Buick GS Stage 1. When I called Haggerty Insurance, uh, something special about the code in this car. It was one of six, hmm. and it's the only one they know left. Uh, I've got a, uh, um, a 64 Galaxy 500 with a big block. I have a, a, a Roadrunner. Um, with a 340 in it. I have a uh, 60. I have one car I wrecked many times and just kept putting it back together. I've had I've had a car since high school, and that's a 67 convertible Camaro. Still have that. Um, you know, some old hot rod trucks down there. I like some of the really old stuff, too, like 1928 Chevy pickup. It's perfect, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, what else do I got, Jason? I know I'm forgetting a bunch of cars. Uh, a 64 hardtop Galaxy 500. Uh, I already said the Dart. And I've, I don't know. I've got about a dozen of them. Oh, I've got three old Oldsmobile convertibles. Two of them are the big blocks. Um, and I just, man, I just, and my favorite one, which I just had an offer on, I think I'm going to sell it, and I shouldn't. But the car just scares me to death, and I don't get scared. Uh, so you know it's got to be radical. I've got a, a, a 1933 Rat Rod that's just absolutely brand new. Uh, I got it, blew the engine up before I put 100 miles on it, so I decided to put a bigger engine in it and this thing is absolutely incredible uh, and a guy offered me 18 grand for the car and it's it's going to be featured in tomorrow's uh or uh, monday's episode okay and it'll, it'll be the car that my brother's screaming in slow down I, I i scared both of us in this car <laughs> and uh, i gotta tell you i don't drive it much because it scares me it's just too darn much horsepower for that car but man you want to talk about a parade car when that thing um, brum, 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 and you're just idling down the parade and and every i mean it's it's a showstopper it's really a cool car now is your brother in the cars too no 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 so he's not I a- had a I had a Viper and uh, picked him up at the airport in it. Uh, really, really nice Viper. And he said, let me drive it, let me drive it, let me drive it. I'm not going to let you drive my Viper. Come on, let me drive it. Let me. Finally, we got about three blocks from the house. I feared he couldn't do too much damage. I said, Eric, there's no limited slip in these. I mean, this is a, this is a race car, brother. Be careful letting the clutch out. And Yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. And he revved it up, let the clutch out, dumped it, did a 360, and came within a foot of slamming the whole car into a, a, a drainage deal, you know, a, a sewer thing on the road there, and, and uh, the car stalled, obviously, and he said, that's enough, I don't ever need to drive that car again. So. <laughs> now, are you, I mean, you've got a fairly eclectic collection of cars there, I mean, you got some Buicks, got some Mopars, you know, you got, uh, I didn't hear you mention any Fords, you know, any Shelbys, any Boss 429s, Boss No, I, I had a Shelby, I sold it, and actually a museum bought it, I had a really nice Shelby Cobra uh, Mustang. That was uh, uh, way up the food chain in terms of quality of cars, and you know I sold the car, and uh, I kind of wish I'd kept it now, but it just didn't. I've had a lot of nice old Corvette split windows. The problem is, is that I find these cars, and you know if I can make a couple of grand on a car, unless I absolutely, if I kept every car I ever loved, I would have a thousand of them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know you just you just run out of money and space and insurance and maintenance, and you know you, you just how many old cars does a guy want? And I'm thinking right now. I was selling my entire collection and buying a nice old Auburn boat tail speedster or a, an old Bugatti or a Duesenberg or something. Just getting one really nice car and babying it to death. That's what I'm thinking about doing now. Well, let me ask you. Now, you're out in kind of a rural area there. And I'm sure you get a lot of trades. And, of course, on your show, you know, you had a guy come in with some goats and, you know, a tractor. You know, and about- I, no, no one believes that goat trade was real. It was real. It was in re- fact, three of the goats we sent to the auction, I kept one of them, the nicest one, called Barber, and I gave it to my wife. It's in the kangaroo cage now with the kangaroo. Oh, yes, the kangaroo. They say you have a pet kangaroo. Tell us about that. Well, we have man. We got kangaroos, goats, ducks, chickens, uh, wild turkeys, um, 
dogs, cats, donkeys, horses, mules. Uh, we got lots of cat, and we, we got lots and lots of different different pets, and we just love them. Okay. You know, I, I, I married into the Beverly Hillbillies, but the good news is I got Ellie Mae, and she does love taking care of the animals. Well, that's super. That's super. That's great. Now, the you were also talking on one of the shows you have, what, a 1,000 acres or something like that did you live on? So you keep all this cool stuff out there, the cars, the animals. No, uh, I, I, I live on a gravel road, and you, don't, I just, you just don't take those old cars down gravel roads. You, oh, okay. know, you shouldn't do it. It, it hurts them. You know? I, mean, it's, I don't want to hurt these cars. I want to baby them. And so I, I drive trucks. I mean, I drive a truck every day, and only time I get in one of these cars, I'm going up to the city to dinner or get my little brother to the airport or in a parade or just wanting to do something cool. But, uh, no, we live on 1,400 acres out there, and, okay. um, God, I wish I had bought more. That land's really done well. Well, let me ask you this now. Since you're out in the rural areas, um, do a lot of people come in, I mean, besides the goats and the bat wings and the, I mean, the, and the, and the bush hogs and the tractors and stuff like that, I mean, do people actually come in and try to trade in some old classic cars or some old barn finds? Oh, every yeah, once? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to see, you'll, you'll see some episodes coming up where I took in some pretty cool stuff. Uh, one of them, in fact, I forgot one of them, is a, uh, uh, a T-Bird, a 19... Um, uh, 69 or 68 suicide door T-Bird I bought from a guy. He didn't He didn't trade. Uh, look, people know I'm a buyer. They always bring me guns. The History Channel's trying to stay away from the gun stuff too much, but uh, we trade for a lot of guns. I buy a lot of guns from people, and I'm just a gun fan. The only thing I love more than cars is guns. Okay, that's cool. You know, I, I love a nice rifle, a nice shotgun, and, uh, uh, you know, look, we're, we're rural out here. People who live in the cities don't get it. Man, it's 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 not unusual, not even, not even a little unusual, to have a, a shotgun in the backseat of a guy's car, a pistol laying on the dash, a, a rifle for shooting uh, coyotes, you know, sitting in the backseat, and, and all of them are loaded. You know, you better, you got to just, you know, it's a different culture, it's a different people, and I got to tell you, I lived up in Lee Summit in the, you know, cupcake county up there with a that's a town north was about an hour and i mean i had it all i had the beautiful eight thousand square foot house on the lake and i, I you know driving the hundred thousand dollar bmw and i hated it man I, I bought a little farmhouse down here and absolutely just fell in love with the county the people the, and mainly mainly the way of life let me tell you something god country and family and doing the right thing don't live in a big city anymore partner mm-hmm if you want, if you really believe in your God, and if you really believe in your soldiers and the country and all that, I know there's some patriotism, but it's like that everywhere down here. It didn't like that where I came from. Well, that's great. And you know what's interesting too is that that philosophy needs to be preached more and more. More and more people need to be aware of it. And I think, really, truthfully, deep down inside, a lot of people feel that way, but they're afraid to move. They can't do anything about it. And, and because of the liberal left, okay, if I may say so, and I don't want to, I don't really want to make my show political, but you know, people are afraid to 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 to, to spout it, to, to talk about it. No, you're you're hundred you're hundred percent correct. I got to tell you, I came down here and I sponsored the uh, uh, Bates County Rodeo for the first time for the Butler Saddle Club, and uh, you know we're. Standing there, and they bring the American flag out, and they all the gals on horses with the flags, and the announcer says, uh, "All right, cowboys, take your lids off and bow your heads, and we're going to give praise to our Lord and and our country, and let's praise our servicemen." And let me tell you something: this country was founded on freedom and God and exceptionalism, and we're not a. And I'm telling you, brother, I welled up. My eyes welled up. I was trying not to cry in front of everybody because you know I'm the new car dealer in town, and people are looking at me, and I'm thinking, "My God!" And that was before I moved down here. I called my wife. Actually, my wife called me about a week later, and she said, are you ever going to come back home? Because we had the big house up in the city plus the farm. And I said, honey, I am home. Because we used to call each other on the telephone. The house was big, you know. She said, well, where are you at? I said, I'm down at the farm. She said, I thought you said you're home. I said, honey, I am home. She goes, well, what if I don't want to move down there? I said, honey, I'm going to miss you because I'm moving. (laughs) I, I'm, I, she said, you're serious. I said, honey, I, 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 this is not planned. It just struck me. I'm done. I don't want to live up there. I love it down here. The patriotism is off the walls, partner. You want to talk about a patriotic bunch of people that would lay their life down for their country, for their neighbor, for their family, and certainly for God at the drop of a hat, that's Bates County, Missouri. And I don't think it's it's exclusive to Bates County. I think it's all these small country towns, and I don't know about the coast, but in the Midwest for sure. It's a bunch. Of, it's it's like I don't know how old you are, but when I grew up, man, we all, we we said prayer in school. Mm-hmm. We said the Pledge of Allegiance. 
If you didn't say the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, you didn't have to, but you had to stand up for the flag. If you didn't want to say grace and, 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 or, you know, or, or say a prayer, that was fine. You didn't have to. But sit there and shut up and be respectful to everybody else. It's what we do. And that's why I was raised. It's not like that anymore. We've turned into such a secularist, jacked-up society. And I got to tell you, I am so proud of the, of the people. And, you know, half of these people in this county don't even like me. They call me a city slicker, and I don't care. I like them, and I'm glad I'm here. Well, you know what? It's funny you mention that because one of my guests that I've had on here a couple times is uh, Ted Nugent, and we're huge right-wing conservative gun-carrying guys down here. I but, love Ted. But we're only in pockets, and I, like I said before, you know, people are just afraid to talk about it. There's a few of us that have convictions. It's just like you said. I'm just actually just a little bit older than you, but you know, uh, you know, when I went to school, you stood up, you faced the flag, you crossed your heart, you saluted the flag, you said the Pledge of Allegiance, and you meant it, and it meant something to you. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. And I, I, I thought that was gone, and I found it again in small-town America. Wow, that's super. Hey, let me ask you a question. Let's talk about your dealership a little bit. When you, when you moved there from, from City Slickersville, if you want to call it that, what got you? What, how, how did you discover the dealership that you got? Was it a franchise dealer at the time? And what was it like when you started with it to how you got to, it, you know, so that, to, to the point where it's at today? That's a great question, and I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Okay. Um, in my consulting business you referred to earlier, the first account I ever signed was a little Chevy store down here in Bates County, Missouri, and that was the first dealership I bought. It was kind of ironic. Um, I bought the farm in 2000, and I bought the dealership in 2000. So I bought the farm first because my kids were getting to the point where I didn't like their friends. They were, you know, sitting playing on the computers, and it was just, it was just, you know, just it just seemed like they were being too sissified. I mean, I want them to drive a dirt bike, and I don't know if I can say this, but you know, and take a piss in a stream if they wanted to. You know what I mean? Gotcha. I want them to throw the 22 over their shoulder and go shoot a rabbit if they wanted to. I want them to experience what I experienced. That's why I bought the farm, and I fell in love. I decided. I wanted to live here. You know the rest of the story. But mm-hmm. So I bought the Chevy store. I sold my consulting business. I retired. It la- I hated it. And um, I said, you know, I, I've always wanted a store. I've got the money. I've been retired for a few months now. So I bought this dealership because uh, it was close to the farm. And then uh, three months later, I bought the Ford Chrysler dealership in town. So I, I bought them both and, uh, you know, really razzed them up, got them, got them up and running to where we're doing the we're doing quite a bit of business. Well, how many franchises? How many franchises I, do you have? Eight. Eight. Okay, and but, then. But that—that's not where the money's at. The money's at, and boy, I, you know, if you want to make money, get in the money business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, the, and the F and I is what you're saying. Oh no, we have a we have a finance company okay. called Southern Finance, mm-hmm. and uh, we have three buy here pay here lots. Oh okay. And uh, we do we do well in that. And if I knew now or then what I know now, I probably would have never been a new car dealer. Really, I would have just focused on the on loaning money. Well, now uh, um, you know. I guess the Bible's pretty strict about that. But uh, um, you know, let me tell you something, brother. You want to grow your money, loan it out at twenty percent. Yeah, or whatever the max usury laws allow you to do. You know, well, there are no usury laws in Missouri. There's guys around selling twenty nine and thirty percent interest. Really? And here, here's the deal: we 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 put a formula to it, and your your audience is sitting there thinking, "Well, that guy's a crook." No, it's not. Look, here's the deal: if you're going to repossess one third of every car you put out, you got to charge it. That's true. You know, if everyone paid, if I had a point oh one four percent loss ratio like the average bank does, instead of a thirty three point three percent loss ratio, um, you know, I could I could get six or seven percent. I would be completely happy. But they don't pay. You know, a third of them don't pay, and then a third of them, you know, they 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 just had bad luck, and they'll come buy a car from Max Motors, and then the third of them go back to one of the buy here pay here lots. The, uh, I mean, and without going into a lot of detail, because I used to, I I'm actually was a licensed car dealer for a long time, an independent, and I was in the salvage yard business, so I've been in the business on and off for 30 years. But just to give you an idea, um, or to give our listeners an idea, today, when you sell new cars, you are selling these cars so close to tissue, or invoice, if you want to use the term. That, tissue, uh, baby. I haven't heard that in a while. Good <laughs> job, sir. Uh, that you just don't, there's not a ton of money in it. And just like you said, the money's made in financing, or the money's made at the body shop, or you know the uh, repair shop, or someplace like that and people think that you're making a killing on selling the cars you're really not you're getting the cars on the road burning rubber so they come back for the service and the bodywork correct 
the the true story about a car dealership, if you didn't have an F&I department, for those that don't know, it's the business office. After you buy the car, they take you in. Look, the banks are making money. I can give you a rate as good as your local bank or better, and I can make more doing that transaction than I can selling you a brand-new Ford F-150 pickup. I have cars out here right now, and people will look you right in the eye. You can show them the invoice or the tissue, and you can say, look, here it is. I've, I've got brand-new cars out there with $650 more up in them that sell for eighteen grand. I mean, I would be happy at ten percent. Just go back to ten percent. Let the car dealer survive, and then. Uh, uh, but you're right, the service and the parts. But what the new car business is about is obviously there's ego involved. All right, mm-hmm. there's there's you, you know if you're the local car dealer, there's it's you know at least in my world I think it's a pretty a pretty uh, a pretty impressive deal. But um, you're in the new car business, so you can sell used cars and get good financing. Wow. The, so, go ahead. So, you know, if I sell that Ford F-150 and I'll literally, let's say it's got $1,800 markup and then there's $1,000 in a thing called holdback and that would what you would consider net tissue, the markup minus the holdback gets you down to net tissue, I'll split that holdback with anybody. I'll make four or five hundred bucks and sell a truck, and then I'll give you a fair market value for your vehicle trade-in. But that trade-in, I'm going to bid for you know fourteen thousand eight hundred dollars or whatever the number is. I'm going to mark that car up twenty-two hundred bucks or two grand, and then I can give a grand up on that one. I can make a thousand dollars on that used car. And listen, if you can't make a thousand dollars on each used car, you better get out of the business because you're going to go broke. Yeah, that's exactly the way it works. How many cars do you guys have in inventory over there? Um, between the two stores, not a lot. Maybe five, six hundred. Okay. And what do you average a month? Oh, uh, 150 to 180 cars between the two stores. Okay. That's the store in Nevada, uh, Missouri. Yep. And the, okay. Actually, around here, they call it Nevada. Nevada? Okay. I'm telling you, it matters to these people. Don't call it Nevada. Okay. Don't I? Nevada. <laughs> but, uh, um, no, that we'll, we'll do between 70 and 80, 90 cars a store. Uh, and, you know, but look, man, I'm, I, I'm in a tiny little store in a tiny little town. And if you can sell 70 cars or 60 cars and do a grand on the front and 700, 800 on the back and do, you know, 1800 bucks a car after paying all the bills and everything else, you can put a little money in your pocket. Not a lot, but you can make a living. Now, do you have a body shop? Nope. Nope. So you just have the service department? Yep. First thing I did was close the body shop when I bought this dealership I'm in now. Okay. Now, look, in, in the, the body business has changed since I don't know how long it's been since you've been in it, but that you're either in the body business or you're not. You can't be kind of in the body shop business. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Now, the uh, I noticed you got, um, look at your website here, Max Motors, and obviously I'm a big Ford guy. And uh, so how much truth is there to it? Of course, we all kind of somehow know those of us in the industry, but supposedly the Ford F-150 is the number one selling vehicle in the continental USA. True or false? True. True. What percentage of Ford trucks do you sell compared to all the rest of your um, product? Uh, we're we're pretty close to equal across the board on our on our truck sales. Really. Uh, we sell a lot of Dodge trucks, we sell a lot of Ford trucks, and we sell a lot of Chevy trucks, but probably 75% of everything we sell is a pickup truck. Okay. You know, we're, we're, in, look, we're in cattle and, and farm country down here, so that's, uh, that's what people want. And uh, we, we sell cars, we sell a lot of cars, but uh, it's, we're primarily a, a truck store, and we do a lot of one-ton stuff, a lot of diesel stuff, a lot of cabin chassis to put hay beds on and, you know, that kind of stuff. The most of your customers, are they, like, for what kind of a radius do you draw people for your store? Well, if I had to live in this county, I'd go broke. Okay. You know, again, there's 16,000 people in the whole county. Now, the breakdown, half of those are kids. So now I'm down to 8,000 people in the whole county. Half of those are retired on welfare, uh, Social Security, living in a nursing home, whatever. So now I'm down to about 2,000 people. Out of the 2,000 people, I've probably aggravated a third of those. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm down to 1,500 customers in the whole darn county, and they buy a car every four or five years at best. So, you know, and then, and then you're, you're, you're talking about, 
I've got to reach out. And that's kind of what made me do the gun giveaway, which started this reality show, was I'm just trying to get some attention. You know, look at me, look at me. And uh, my Internet traffic's blown up since the show hit. We're selling a lot of stuff. Uh, we'll be doing 150 cars a month at each one of these stores. I should be able to should be able to make some money. Um, I have customers. This is a God's honest truth. And, and tell them to call me. Get on MaxMotors.com. I have customers all over the country that some of them I've sold cars to. Some of them I haven't, but they call me and say, I'm sitting at my local Dodge dealer. Here's what I'm paying. Here's what they're telling me. Are they telling me the truth? And sometimes I'll say, you better get up and get out of there, partner. I can save you 2500 bucks and have that car delivered at your front door in the morning. Or I'll say, hey, you know what? That's a fair deal. Buy it. Wow. That's honesty. That's good. That's and, well, good. you know what? Look, here, here's the deal. We're all entitled to make a profit. Yes. I, I This is one of my favorite sales meetings with the guys. And I'm going to hey, – you're an ex-car guy. Let me ask you a question. Is it $800 profit, fair profit on a car? Well, it's low, but, I mean, I can live with it, depending on the rest of the stuff I got going on. No, it's not fair, because let me ask you. Now, let me give you on a used more car information. Deal. Okay. On, some... on any car. What if it's a little old lady? You've had the car in stock for 121 days. She's a friend of the families, and she says to you, Mark, is this the best price you can give me? And you just sold that car and made nothing just to get rid of it. Is $800 fair now? At that point, yes. No, 800 is too much. That's not fair because you just oh, sold for less. This okay. person's trusting you. Let me ask you a question. Is $5,000 too much to make on a car? It's a relative term, quite frankly. That's it. That's what people need to understand. Look, if I get one GT Shelby Cobra, 650 horsepower Mustang a year, and every dealer's charging 10000 over sticker, and it's a $15,000 deal, and I'll sell that car sticker and make five grand. that's a hell of a deal. Okay. So what we try to do is we just simply, and you know how you know? You know in your heart. You know in your heart when you're sitting negotiating or talking to that person on the phone whether you're being fair. And if you're not being fair, don't do it. And, I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to change him as a car dealer, which I am. I'm saying it because if you want to be happy in life, and it, I, I, this, is, this, is what, this is why the History Channel picked the show up. When I said to those guys, just do the right thing, they said people are craving that, that message. Yes. Just do the right thing, guys. If that little old lady is, is trusts you and you would have sold that car and not made a nickel, don't make 800 on her. Sell it not make a nickel. Okay, no, I can understand that. But like you said, I mean, or like I said earlier, it is a relative term. So you just have to kind of look at the whole picture. That's you, it. You, you got to you got to take all the information. And here's the deal: if it, if 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 your heart's bothering you at all, don't do the deal or cut the price. Uh, there you go. It's all about a conscience at that point. Now, yes, sir. That's absolutely right. Well, let me ask you another question too. The staff that you got working for you, and we got a few minutes left before we have to sign off here. But tell us a little bit about some of the guys that you got. I mean, those are guys that have been with you for a long time, and you personally handpicked those guys because on this TV show you say, "Hey, I like these outlaw kind of guys." But man, these are super guys, super committed, and super good salesmen, and straight up. The biggest problem you have in small town America for any business is talent. I'm friends with all the business owners. We sit and visit a lot, and they all tell me the same thing: "God, I can't get any help." And and, you know, I'll bring a guy in from out of town if I have to, and I'm always looking for good, talented help that wants to do it right. But, uh, you know, sometimes there's a guy that, uh, you know, is the next county over that had, a, you know, that had a, a problem, a DWI or something, and no one will hire him. I'll sit that guy down, and I'll, I'll, I'll hire the guy. I'll, I'll take a guy that's – now, look, anyone that's had any, any, any uh, uh, you know, violent-type stuff, and I, I don't want nothing to do with them. But um, – um, Everyone's entitled to a second chance, and that's the other thing the History Channel really liked about the show, is it's a show about redemption. You know, I will cut the strings on somebody in a New York second, a heartbeat, and I'll run them down the road. But by God, if they're trying and if their heart's right, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. We all fall short of the glory. And because of that, I've got some, some guys that I've hired that no one wanted that were pretty decent guys that have turned out to be great guys. Their lives are straightened out. Their families are back together. And i got to tell you, partner, if you're not doing that, if for you business owners listen to this, if you're not reaching out and trying to, anyone can take a hero that's straight-laced and never did anything wrong and, and is perfect. Everybody wants that guy. Big deal. Oh, you you got 60 employees. Well, big deal. How many of your employees have you had to work with and put their lives and help them back together? Because let me tell you something. If you're a small-time businessman in today's world, you better be darn good at, at HR, which is human resources, because they all need help. And again, they're human beings. So what if they made a mistake? If I catch anyone lying, cheating, or stealing... I'll fire him on the spot. 
Yeah, definitely. No question about that, because it does become a question of ethics. Mark, I want to thank you very much. We're just about out of time. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Would you be willing to come on again sometime? Because I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see how your show does, and I'd like to get you back on the show here in the near future, you know, maybe six months down the road, and just get some feedback from you. Would you be willing to do that? Absolutely. I, I, I do this for two reasons. Number one, I do have a message. I think God, country, and family, we need to get back to this. The other message is do the right thing, and, and any I've been saying this way before this reality show. I give a lot of political speeches. Uh, yeah, I, I, anytime I get a chance to try and make a difference, I do, and my, my motive is what price have I paid for my freedom and partner? I paid none. I never served my country, and I'm just trying to make it up now at 53 years old. So I would love to talk to you or anybody else, and again, MaxMotors.com. If they're looking at a car, call me. I'll give them a straight shot. Not going to guarantee it's going to be the cheapest hold, but, but I guarantee it'll be a fair price. It'll be quick and it'll be painless great that's the way to get it done in the car business with honesty and integrity i want to thank my special guest mark muller okay be sure and check out his new tv show every week on the history channel god guns and automobiles and be sure and check out his website maxmotors.com you know what he'll sell you a car anywhere in the continental usa also be sure and check out our website golfstreammotorsports.com like us on facebook hey tell your friends tune into nostalgic radio and cars the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports stay Stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, and we'll see you at some of the car shows. I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.